this is Emma and Logan. Welcome to another episode of Empowered by Choice. Today we are going to be talking about emotions. So I hope you've brought some along. <laughs> yeah, so if we think about emotion, emotion is just energy in motion. And if we think about emotion and energy inside the body, it can be said that we store emotional energy in the body. Yeah, I was actually um, reading something the other day. I don't know if it was true or not, but it's a really interesting concept to try and wrap your head around. But they said that, or this, this research said that any emotional state that we're experiencing only lasts for two minutes. So an emotion itself only lasts for two minutes. And I know, you know you're thinking, well, no, because my partner did this thing last week and I'm still experiencing the anger associated with that. Um, but the concept behind this, this research, this article, was that the emotional state itself lasts for two minutes. And then anything that you're prolonging in your experience is being prolonged by your story, by your thoughts about the experience. Oh, wow. That makes total sense. Which, yeah, I really liked. I really liked that. Because we do attach a story to everything that's mm -hmm. happening in our lives, um, particularly our emotional states. Because when you break it down, an emotion is, in fact, just a series of physical sensations in your body. So if you think about anger, for me, there's usually some, some tightness, some feeling of being like locked around my heart. My breath is, is tight and, and constricted. And there's, there's this physical sensation of anger or rising rage mm -hmm. in my body. Yeah, heat. Yes. And then if you think of something like love or peace or relaxation, that also manifests as a physical sensation in your body. And there are some advanced meditation practices, so advanced versions of yoga nidra meditations, where you try to create sensations such as rage or peace or happiness or anger or fear in your body. And so you learn that you can actually just create them as physical sensations and you learn to know where and how things like anger or distress or fear manifest themselves in your body. Yeah, do you think that's why they say, you know, allow the emotion to move through you rather than hanging on to it? So if we can sit with the physical sensation that it's having in our body, we can actually allow it to move in the body and we can allow it to move through us rather than suppressing it or or just, you know, turning our attention away from it rather rather than turning into the emotion that's or the physical sensation as you were just talking and really giving our focused attention to that. Yeah, and I think there's a difference between giving your attention to the physical sensation, like you're saying, mm -hmm. that feeling of it moving through your body and giving our attention to the story of, yes. <laughs> of the person who has, who has wronged us. And obviously, you know, sometimes I think there's almost like a, I don't know, a flow back and forth between thoughts and emotions. Emotions can cause thoughts. Thoughts can cause emotions. Mm -hmm. They're all interrelated. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it comes with, you know, you, you were just touching on that there's there's good feeling emotions and there's bad feeling emotions. Yeah, we really like it when, when things feel good or happy or peaceful or relaxed or fun, but we don't really like feeling guilty or stressed or angry or fearful. And we do a lot of things to try and avoid the emotions that we perceive mm -hmm. as bad. 
Um, so for me, like it, waiting, like I'm very quick to whip out my phone to, to avoid feeling whatever I'm feeling, stressed, bored. Um, but I think a lot of people numb themselves with food. I know I do that. If, if I'm a bit bored, I'll head to the fridge. Um, food, sex, drugs, alcohol are often just us trying to cover up this this bad in inverted commas feeling yeah even your phone like you just brought up i think that that's a big one for a lot of people is that it's right there it's it's on our hand all the time and if we're starting to feel anything we don't want to feel it's really easy to turn on that instagram feed and just start scrolling yeah i'm feeling lonely boom i'm connected to the whole (laughs) world immediately and i don't have to sit in that and i don't have to sit with that feeling but i think what we don't realize is that when we try to numb ourselves Mm -hmm. from these again negative or bad i'm using inverted commas in the air i know you can't see it but i am (laughs) these negative or bad emotions uh by numbing ourselves to them we're also numbing ourselves to the positive emotions as well you can't just numb yourself from one part of life and i think what's important to realize is that all these things all these different emotions are part of the human experience yeah it's too bad that we can't make the good ones last longer than two minutes That's what we want to do, right? Though we we really we really want want to prolong, and we're really yeah. attached to almost like clinging to the. Well, it's good, and I need it to keep being good, and we don't like it when it goes bad. So I think I think being a little bit more relaxed in allowing the different emotional states to flow through us, as you just said, because if you think about you in the past week. Hey, me in the past two days, I've been happy. I've been joyful. I've been peaceful. I've been raging. I've been stressed. I've been crying. I've been, you know, like I've experienced all these things in the past few days and none of them have lasted. More than two minutes. More than two minutes. (laughs) But, But they're not all here now. So I think we forget that the emotional state will pass. When we're caught yeah. up in it, I call it riding the roller coaster. And <laughs> it really is a it, roller yeah, coaster. Yeah, it's like, y- well, and the only reason we call it a roller coaster is because the good ones feel up and the bad ones feel down, right? So we need to remember that even though sometimes we feel down and we feel lonely or we feel sad, that there's always going to be a roller coaster that's going to take us into the other state, right? So rather than the roller coaster being up and down, we can think of it as a side to side motion. I mean, I don't think it's linear at all, right? It's kind of just this this weaving back and forth and and if you look at a toddler so I'm a mother of two I have a two and a half year old and a 10 month old and and it's really clear and obvious to me that we're born in just a constant state of emotion so you you look at a toddler and when they are happy they're laughing when they're angry they're screaming when they're sad they're crying it's there is no in between it's just like they're with whatever emotion they're with in that moment and there's nothing else for them, right? They don't hang on to that emotion. You know, if you, if you look at a toddler and say, for instance, you didn't give them, you know, chocolate or what they wanted. They're angry and they're sad and they're crying. And then two seconds later, they're happy and they're playing with their toy. They don't linger in that emotion, maybe for longer than two minutes. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe they tested toddlers. I don't know where this research was, but I just thought it was a great concept. So even even if it is just a little bit true, what a fantastic concept to be able to take and apply in our lives. But you're 100% right with mm-hmm. kids, aren't they? They're, you know, once, once you've distracted them by jangling the keys or giving them something else to do that's fun, they've forgotten all about that chocolate that you didn't give them. Yeah, and it, it really... You know, so with a two and a half year old, it's a bit easier because it's like their, I don't know if their, it's their attention span or their memory's a little bit shorter, but as they get older, my husband and I have really 
started to open up dialogue around this and communicate around this just about talking about emotional intelligence with our children actually with ourselves first because there you don't go to go to school for emotional intelligence no one teaches you how to deal with your emotions that would be really good yeah (laughs) totally how to cope with the extreme sadness or the anger or you know what are healthy ways to express those emotions to communicate because it's not just about feeling the emotion in Mm -hmm. yourself and dealing with it yourself it's also about being able to communicate about your experience your different emotional experiences to the people that you love or the people in your life it's really important to be able to express and have an intelligent conversation around your emotional state yeah absolutely and and like i mentioned before i'm in psychotherapy training and we talk a lot about this in our training in that societal norms are that we don't talk about our emotions we you know we suck it up and we put on our our big girl panties put on our happy face yeah and we put on our happy face right and And there's actually a lot of people that I see that struggle with even expressing their emotions to each other. Like, if you'll ever notice, like, people apologize when they cry. Like, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't be crying. It's like, when when did we make it not okay to express sadness? When did we make it not okay to be with ourselves emotionally in that moment? And, and we all of a sudden had to force ourselves to be in a different emotional state that maybe wasn't real or true for us. Because are we apologizing for making the other person mm. feel uncomfortable? Yeah, and that was just it, right? Yeah, because you n- nobody likes looking at someone else in distress. Like if I'm seeing you cry, I'm feeling uncomfortable and I want to fix it. I want to yeah. make it go away. And so is that is that maybe what's making, in this example, you want to apologize? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm Well, look sorry. at what we do with children. As soon as they start crying, we're like trying to distract them with like here eat this or here watch this and it's nothing to do with their discomfort it's all to do with our own discomfort yeah so Lachlan and I have really you know we've made a conscious effort to really sit down with our kids and just sit with them as they cry and not try to you know distract them with anyone else or or do anything else and can I tell you like the first few times we did that it is really hard because it breaks your heart to watch as a mom yeah as a mom to watch your little your little human being cry right and I'm sure that it's the same for adult to adult I mean as a friend if you were sitting there in despair and you were crying of course I would want to make you know make you happier or bring something to your attention that would that would change the light on the situation because it's way harder for me to just sit with you and just be with your crying. Yeah, harder for you. Yeah, it's harder for me. Yeah. It's not necessarily harder for you. <laughs> yeah, my I've I've um I, I'm just prior to that time of the month, so PMS, a little bit down, a little bit, you know, kind of sad these last couple of days. And my partner is just like, "What can I do? Like, you know, I want to. Fi- He's a man. He wants to fix it and make me feel better. And there, there is literally nothing he can do. He could make me a cup of tea or something. Or bring you but chocolate. Yeah, or... but but that's about it. There's really nothing he can do. And it is nice just having him sit there or hold me or just be with me while I'm experiencing this emotional state. Yeah, absolutely. Without trying to fix it or change it. Yeah. Just allowing it to be, allowing it to to move through me. Yes, rather than making it mean something or attaching any faith to it. I think the fastest way, and I was just, you know, I was told this by one of the gurus, is just that it's the fastest way to allow energy or emotion to go through you is to sit with it, to lean into it. 
there's a whole form of therapy that I really um, did a lot of research into called focusing therapy. Mm -hmm. And the concept behind it is feeling the physical sensations in your body and becoming really interested in them. So almost as if you're like a scientist observing some strange animal out in the field. And so you describe mm -hmm. what, what's going on, and, but you get really like inventive. Curious. You get very curious and you get really inventive. Like, okay, this sensation is in my chest. So normally we feel our emotions somewhere in this feeling line between our throat, chest, and tummy. That's where, that's where most of our emotions show up in their physical sensation. And so what you do is you're like, well, my throat feels constricted. It feels like a spiky ball with blue points all around it. And you use, and it's hot and it's pulsing. And you use all of these very descriptive, evocative words. And in doing that, in describing the emotion, what happens is it just gives you like that little step back from it because it's you observing it to be able to apply that description to it. And again, the idea of focusing therapy, this is a, a very brief summary, is that you kind of relax around whatever's there and, and you give it space and you allow it to be. To move. Just like with, with my partner when I've got PMS and I'm feeling a little bit down, him just sitting with me and allowing me to be as I am. That's what you're doing for yourself. And by having this sense of interested curiosity mm -hmm. around whatever's going, it provides that tiny bit of separation. So no longer... You know, it's no longer I am angry, it's I am experiencing anger. Or, you know, if we want to really yeah. get into it, it's I am experiencing a tight sensation <laughs> in my throat and it feels like a blue spiky ball that's pulsing. Yeah, wow. And this is really the difference between having in, like education behind it and not having education behind it is that we can't associate the, what the difference is. Yes, it's so true. And it, it, is, it is sometimes very difficult to unpick our story from the physical sensation. Yeah. And yeah. so that's what I like about this form of therapy is it's reducing it to a pure physical sensation. There's yeah. nothing else. Like I have a tight ball in my throat because my partner <laughs> said this to me. There, there's no story attached with, to it. Yeah, that's incredible. Wow. Hey, is that we can actually we can actually differentiate the two. Yeah, and it is it is it is a difficult I think a difficult thing to say, like, do our thoughts cause our emotions or do our emotions cause our thoughts? And then all of a sudden we have the social agreement around what those thoughts and what those emotions are. <laughs> <laughs> and that really is the difference between intelligence and, and emotions, right? Or emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence, yeah. It's like, and, and you'll know, yeah, this is, this is something that I've talked about working with forever because it was something that I grew up not really knowing much around and, and thinking that something was wrong with me, that I was feeling these emotions, right? Because no one ever really talked about them. Or even just the way you express things. like Yeah, so, like in a healthy way. Yeah, if yeah. you watch, watch a parent and the way they express mm -hmm. anger is by shouting or throwing things or whatever it might mm -hmm. be, like the way that they express anger is becomes for you the example of how you learn to express anger. Yeah. And you don't even know that there's another possible way of, of doing of doing that, of expressing anger, because this is how it is and this is what is normal for you in your family. And there's almost like an agreement within the family that this is, you know, well, this is just what happens when, when mom's angry or when yes. the, the kid is angry. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's something that of course I think that you know, I'm just dipping into the surface now with the whole family dynamic around emotions and, and we deal with every day. I mean, living with a toddler, there's like a constant trigger, which is running around trying to, 
to find those emotional triggers, right? And and we've been looking at like different um, styles of educating and using emotional intelligence. And, and Montessori uses a really cool one. They actually have posters that you put up on the wall and they have like faces and then they have the emotion attached to the face. So they have like someone crying and they're saying sadness. And then you can actually start to educate the kid around sadness and be like, what are healthy ways of expressing the sadness? And then you've got this another chart that shows the kid different ways that they can express their sadness in a healthy way. That's fantastic. Yeah. And without without the receiver, without the person listening, feeling responsible yeah. for fixing or changing in any way. And I think that that's often um, what I do when I'm angry is sometimes it's my anger and it's my issue and I try to get my partner <laughs> to, to own it, like make yeah. my problems his problem. Um, so I think being able to own our emotions and then also having other people be able to sit there and just be with whatever's going on without making it mean anything and without having it to have to do anything with them. Yeah, which I think would take like on both parties a, a significant amount of educating. And emotional <laughs> intelligence. Yeah, exactly. So I think that because the importance of this is that if we think about these emotions and we think about how you know, disease in the body is just dis-ease in the body, it can actually, and I know there's tons of documentaries around this uh, on, on Netflix and everything else, but they can, they say that they can turn into illness and create disease in the body. And I, I strongly believe that that's true. If we never face them and we always suppress them, we spend our entire life shoving them down that of course it's going to be like this energy in like our bodies trying you're trying to, to hold under the water yeah they usually come back with reinforcements yes at that point rather than just feeling and allowing it to move through us but again also i feel like there's things you can do in the early stages of an emotion so basically what happens when we're being overtaken with one of those very strong flight or fight inspired responses in our body so things like fear stress anger is what happens is the the, the neural pathways to our prefrontal cortex which is the rational logical thinking part of our brain basically get shut down so the only part of our brain we have access to at that time is our our lizard brain our like flight fight freeze that's it those are the responses available to you so i think what's really important is getting to know how our emotions manifest in our body so for me, and this was a really great way to learn to do this, was um, I started to notice how road rage felt in my body, you know, like really fired up that almost I could feel the flood of adrenaline heading out from my central nervous system out into my extremities. Um, and what I've learned to recognize now is this sense of pre-road rage. So what are, what are my physical sensations just before I get kind of overtaken by the rage and even pre 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 road rage and I personally don't experience any road rage anymore because I notice those very 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 early signals and at that point I still have access to the rational part of my brain and I still can make a choice in the situation because what happens once somebody is in a state of extreme stress, extreme fear, extreme anger, it's the time where you go, aha, I see we're not going to settle this with logic right now. <laughs> and my partner and I do this, whichever, whichever one is, is feeling angry, and if the other one is still calm, it's the calm person's job just to soothe the other person 
back down like just by being so calm, they can use their thinking brain again exactly and being with them and whatever that takes whether it's just waiting like the few minutes or just being there but not adding any fuel to the fire letting the emotion pass so that you can then discuss it rationally yeah so out of curiosity and maybe for the listeners when you are noticing that free free warning sign while you're sitting in traffic so you don't get the road rage what do you do um i just bring it back to bodily. there's lots of different things i do bodily sensations so i feel my hands on the steering wheel i take deep breaths i imagine someone i love in that car i imagine mm. it's my mom driving or my sister driving the car um if they're driving very erratically i'm like well it's fabulous that they've moved away from me like i've let them go past me now um because they're driving in that way they're likely to cause an accident and now it's going to happen a long way away from me um so lots of different techniques like those yeah i sometimes imagine that they're having a baby and they're on the way to the hospital i'm like oh that's so exciting (laughs) fabulous so i think um road rage is is probably a really easy one because we're to, to work with because we're working with the emotion of anger that's quite a strong strong emotion but we're working without the loaded emotional story that we might have with our partner or with our parent or with our child because there's so much history and and stories and everything behind what's going on in that relationship whereas the person in the car you literally don't know them so i think trying to learn to feel road rage in your body as it's happening and then maybe learning to recognize it a little bit before and then maybe taking these same principles and applying them in in your you know relationships as well Mm, really important yeah it's definitely something that could help us with everyday life right if we if we had that education and that emotional awareness yeah recognizing that that you're experiencing something accepting whatever it is yeah and then you know being open to that sense of interested curiosity yeah i really like that i really like when you think about curiosity around it it kind of takes the edge off it takes the pressure off it's that and it is it just all that all that whole technique is trying to do is just provide a little bit of separation so you're not being overwhelmed by by fear or whatever it is you're observing the fear as, as a kind of impartial observer yeah absolutely it's like the difference of you know standing watching looking at the water or being submerged and drowning in the water <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so yeah learning to to watch the the waters the waters of our lives I yeah think. beautiful so guys if you want to um get in touch with us we have an instagram account empowered by choice feel free to message us on there or give us any feedback if you guys want to you know s- give a suggestion about a topic that we can discuss in any of our podcasts we're open to that as well thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll see you again soon